0: This is a very rich, intense passage. I mean, I'm, I'm right in this dialogue of Jesus. And uh, so I've got to basically write a new daily Bible study and stick it in there. so that's what you have, because I, I could I wasn't far enough. So you basically have the next baby Bible study stuck in this thing so that we can, we can understand. We've got to first of all, our first job is, what does it say? We've got to know what the text says. What is, what's the truth there. Then we need to know what does it mean? What's the spiritual truth, the universal truth that's there? What's he teaching? And then what does it mean to me? How do we apply it to our lives? That's the basic steps we go through week after week. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? That's how we live with our scripture, amen? And then we're going to let Jesus be our mentor, our teacher, our rabbi. He's the one. We want to hear him and sit at his feet. Father God, would you open our ears to... Soften our hearts, open your word, Holy Spirit. Now, we would obey our Lord. Teach us and let us hear his voice. Let me uh, let you speak in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. I'll start at John 5, verse 18. I'm going down to verse 29. This follows immediately on the story we heard last time of the man who was healed there by the waters at Bethesda. And uh, we saw all that. For this reason, uh, Jesus has just said, remember he was charged with working on the Sabbath, and then basically he said, well, I worked on the Sabbath because I saw the Father work on the Sabbath. And then for this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he he, he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also calling God his own Father, making himself, what does your say? Equal. equal with God. And I'll have more to say on that. It's exactly what he says. Making himself equal with God. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater works than these. Would you say greater works? Yeah, we'll see what that means in a minute. Greater works than these so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone. But he has given all judgment to the Son. So that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not pass into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Say, has passed out of death into life. Isn't that a great statement? Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is, and it says literally, a son of man. Say son of man. son of man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed evil. And it actually doesn't say deeds. Things is what it says. Good things. Who did the good things. And those who, and I'll say more, who did evil To a resurrection of judgment. All right, here we go. Let's look accountable. Everyone is glad to have God's help when they need it. No one minds a helper God who can be called on in time of need. When people discuss whether or not God exists, they're usually talking about a particular kind of God rather than the possibility that there is a spiritual being somewhere. What people don't like. is a moral God, particularly one who will hold us accountable for our actions. That's the kind of God atheists don't believe in. If you ask an atheist why they don't believe, very shortly they'll launch into a list of accusations against God. How could he allow such evil and suffering? And sooner or later, they'll get to their main point. They can't possibly believe in a God who would send people to hell. Now, I don't believe in a God who sends people to hell either. That's not the God I read about in the Bible. I read about a loving Father who's doing everything possible to prevent people from going there. But I also believe in a God who is just and who will hold people accountable for their actions in this life. I believe that those who refuse to surrender to Him and refuse to call on Him for mercy will be given the justice they have chosen. I believe that in large measure. Because that's what Jesus taught. And I believe him. You, all, you and I all have to choose. Who are we going to listen to? Who is your leader? Who is your source of truth? The world has lots of things it says. There's lots of different voices. There's people having all kinds of opinions. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to trust? I think, and we always have to see it in this light, who am I going to put my soul in their hands? Who am I going to face death? I mean, as I breathe my last breath, who am I trusting told me the truth? You have to decide who you think that is. I have decided. To me, there's no question and, uh, that it is Jesus, and I'm going to go with him. So he says this, and we, we sit at his feet and we listen to him. I want you to rehear this story. I got, I got some real explaining to do here. I want you to rehear this story and you, so you understand it, and so the full impact of what Jesus has just said uh, comes through. Everything I read to you is a consistent, logical discussion, that is not a loose collection of sayings from Jesus. It all makes total sense when we understand what's being said. John uh, 5, 18. The religious leaders focused on the fact that Jesus spoke of God as my Father. In that religious environment, such a title was not taken lightly. They understood that he was not using the title in a merely warm, affectionate way, nor was he using it in a broad, general way, since God can be thought of as the Father of all creation. In that sense, he can be considered to be everyone's father. Very few times is the term father applied in the Old Testament. I don't know if you knew that. It's probably, probably a handful or, or less. It was used on occasion to describe the relationship between God and the nation of Israel. And in a very special promise made to David, God said that he would draw one of his descendants into a father-son type relationship with him. But that passage appears to describe what is largely an adoptive relationship between God and one of David's descendants. But John says the religious leaders heard Jesus intend to say something much deeper. They heard him call God his own father, making himself to be equal with God. Now it's verse 18. John's choice of words is indisputable. He said Jesus made himself equal equal to God. And the Greek word he used, and he wrote it in Greek, is iso. I-S-O, if you want to just transliterate it. I-S-O, isometrics, or isosceles triangle. What's an isosceles triangle? Equal sides. Mm -hmm. Equal. That's exactly what the Greek word. They heard Jesus say he was iso, equal with God. He is informing us, John is, that Jesus meant to present himself as someone who shared the same divine nature that distinguishes the Father. That he was someone who was uniquely begotten by God. And when these leaders heard this claim behind the statements Jesus was making, Jesus did not correct them. But he did immediately correct their false assumption that he was not submitted to the Father. Do you see the distinction I just made? He did not say, No, I am not uh, 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 the divine Son of God. But he said, But when you say, I have arrogantly taken his place, that I have risen up and operate independently, you are completely false. You are completely false. Verse 19, he described his relationship with the Father in terms that imply eternal truths rather than temporal ones. What they were observing in the way he related to the father was something that had always been true and always would be true. He accepted their charge against him that he claimed to be God's divine son. But he totally rejected their charge that he was proudly usurping his father's role as the leader. He did only what the father told him to do. And in no way did he think of himself as independent of God. The truth was he was completely depended on and submitted to the Father. He would first perceive what the Father was doing in the spiritual realm and then perform it in the physical realm. Do you hear his heart? you hear this? Verse 20. Yet there was nothing sterile or mechanical in the way this happened. Theirs, the Father and Son, was a relationship of love. The Father loves the Son and shows him All the things he is doing. And then he added this statement. And greater works than these will he show him. That you may marvel. The raising of Lazarus as well as his own resurrection could certainly be included in the category of greater works. But as Jesus continues to speak, we discover he was pointing to the greater works that he would do at the end of this age. It will be his voice that calls the dead out of their graves at the resurrection. He will be the one who sits on the throne of judgment and separates the righteous from the unrighteous. And it will be Jesus before whom every knee will bow and whose name every tongue will confess to be Lord. Do you follow that? Think of the parables. Think of all the things. Think of what Paul says. Just think of the whole thing. That's the truth. That's the foundation. Verses 21 through 23. Though God's son truly became a man by means of the incarnation, the divine origin of his spirit and therefore his right to exercise an authority which belongs only to God can be seen in the following statements. Verse 21. The father's direction. Jesus will be the one who calls the dead to life. Look at 1 Thessalonians uh, for a minute. I didn't write it out for you. probably should have. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Those of you who just have phones and stuff, you just wait a minute. We'll get there for you. Uh, Listen to this. Verse Verse 16. For the Lord himself... Who's that? Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. It will be Jesus. I just buried my mom a few weeks ago. We put that that little worn out old body of hers, we put it in a pine box and stuck it in the ground. She's with him consciously now in the spirit enjoying his presence and probably with her mom and dad and everybody else. Hallelujah. But the day will come. When we will all, I don't know, just, it'll somehow ring like a bell, I bet, through the universe. Rise! And it'll just go through and it'll be Jesus. That's whose voice we'll hear. And all of us, those who are alive, we will be resurrected on the spot. It's called the rapture. So uh, we're, we're going, whoo, I feel good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you won't be dancing much. You're on your way up. To meet him in there, I mean, but you, you will get, you'll just suddenly be resurrected on the spot. What a moment that will be. Woo-hoo-ah. Yeah. And those who are dead, they, they put those old, somehow, whatever's left of those bodies, I don't know how this all works, but they will rise uh, and put on new bodies. And it's his voice. Whose voice? It is Jesus, the Son's voice, that you and I will hear cry out on that day with the voice of the archangel and a trumpet. So it's going to have some music to it as well. In fact, he was already exercising that authority in, in, in the many healings he was performing. Jesus brings it right back into the present and, present and is implying, not only will I call you from the dead, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. Uh, he was exercising authority on the healings he was performing. He was replacing death with life. When he spoke for that little boy who's, who's lying just about on the verge of death. And he says, your son lives. He spoke life into him and death out of him. You hear that? Yeah. In other words, this, this wonderful voice of Jesus that, that will call us to life is already at work. That's why you and I can now, in the name of Jesus, minister. You follow? We've been given the privilege Of being his servants. And we function just like he does. We do what we see the father do. We're not loose cannons. We follow his lead just as he followed the father's lead. Understand? And then when he says you speak. We speak. And through us his his voice works again. His power works again. And life goes into dead things. Hallelujah. That's our authority. That's how we live in these days. Victoriously. On the Father's behalf, Jesus will conduct the judgment of the human race. Think of all the parables. Uh, the, 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 it, Jesus says there in Matthew 25, it's just one after another about this whole thing. The, the, the one with the, uh, it's, it's like a master who uh, was going on a long journey and he left to his uh, servants some certain talents. He said, deal with these till I get back, Remember? He said, and then he came back and he held him accountable. Who's the master of the house that went away on a long journey and came back? Jesus. Well, I got one person who figured that out. Now, come on. Here you go. Answer to every question in Sunday school or church is Jesus. Okay, come on. Just. Oh, that's it. That's... Well, it is, Jesus. And, and so he's the master of the house. Then, he, then you have that next picture, the, that next parable, where he's, you, you see the last days. It says, all the nations of the earth will be gathered before his throne. And he'll sit on the throne, and he'll separate them as these sheep from the goats. he say to the one on his right, uh, you never, you know, you, well, you, no, you visited me. I was naked. You clothed me. Uh, I was in prison. You fed me. You, okay, all of these things. And they'll say, when do we see you? And he says, when you did it for the least of these, my My people, yeah, not just every little poor person in the world, we are, that's another command. We are to care for them. But that's not this command. People are reacting to the Spirit of Christ in you. And the judgment, the process of separation, is already taking place. When they hate the Jesus in you, they have already shown they hate the Jesus, period. You understand? Yeah, that's what he's teaching. And then the other one's on the other side. He says, you didn't visit me. You didn't feed me. You didn't, you didn't do any of these things. When did we, not, when did we see you? In as, least, in as much as you didn't do it for the least of these, my brethren. Even the poorest. Even the leadiest. You didn't do it for my people. When you saw me. When I came to your village through these people. And you turned me away. You turned me away. Now, oh, that's who, who's sitting on that throne? Jesus is. Yes. Exactly. And verse 23, he will be honored by all just as they will honor the Father. To dishonor him is to dishonor the Father who sent him. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is so not politically correct, is it? This is not politically correct. This is not the tide of the religion in America. This is not the way people want you to think. Who do you believe? I do too. Yeah, the answer was Jesus, by the way. Yeah, that was the right answer. And several of you got it. you good. That's who I believe. That's what he says. That's what he said. I'm reading you his words. I'm not making this up. I'm not stretching stuff. You go right on back and study as hard as you want. I'm telling you what he says. Who do you believe? I believe him. I believe him. Verse 24. Jesus explained to these leaders that these powers he would exercise at the end of the age were already at work. Each time someone listened to him and believed, he was raising a dead person to life. In effect, when a person heard the truth about him... And chose to believe. His judgment concerning them was already decided. That person had already passed from death to life. When pe- And that's t- that was true then as he walked among them. It's true now as you and I bring Christ and the gospel to people. The judgment's happening for them. And those who say, yes, I believe, the judgment has passed away. That was their moment of judgment. That was your moment of judgment. Rejection, reception. It's happening right there. It's happening all the time. So this will happen at the end, but it's going on constantly through his people and through the gospel. Jesus wanted to give these leaders a scriptural basis. I've skipped ahead in some verses. For such amazing claims. So he reminded them of the heavenly son of man pictured in the book of Daniel. Daniel was given a vision. By, by the way, do you, do you see that little reference, John 151? He, you, he, he told somebody else he was the son of man. Who remembers who that was? And the answer is not Jesus. <laughs> who, who, who remembers what? Who, who did he tell? N- no, not Nicodemus. Starts with the same letter. John. No, not John. That doesn't start with N. Nathaniel, remember this. Nathaniel, he says, "I saw you beneath the fig tree," and he says, "He says, Rabbi, you're the King of Israel. You're the Son of God." He says, "Boy, that did it for you." He said, uh, "The day will come and you will see the Son of Man, oh, and you'll see the angels ascending, remember, and descending upon the Son of Man. You will see." He actually said to Nathaniel, "You will see greater." works than these exactly what he said to them you will see greater works than these he took nathaniel to the son of man he took these religious leaders to the son of man same thing he says pictured in the book of daniel daniel was given a vision in which he saw the father whom he called the ancient of days seated on his throne in heaven Then one like a son of man came up to him. A son of man came up to him. The term itself simply means one who looks like a human being. But in this situation, for a human being, no matter how exceptional, to walk into God's throne room and approach God himself is unthinkable. There must be something very unique about this person. His presence in heaven, followed by the complete authority God gives him seems to go far beyond the boundaries of what is possible for a human. I want to take you back there so that you really feel what's going on here. This discussion that's going on is between people who know their Bible. That's what leaves us out, you know. And uh, when he starts referring, making these references, they all know what he's talking about. They too have studied the book of Daniel meticulously. Anyone, when he tosses off, off a reference, so you're talking. It's like it's like Niels Bohr and, and Einstein talking about nuclear physics. We're all going, huh? You know. Well, they all know what they're talking about. Well, we're in that level spiritually right here. We have people who really know their Bibles and really know their eschatology, and they know what they're talking about. And and so he makes this claim. And I want you to see. We really got to appreciate what he just said to them. <laughs> You'll realize the impact of it. All right. If you're in Daniel seven, this is one of the most precious, powerful. Uh, Prophetic passages in the whole Bible. This is an amazing chapter. Daniel is given a vision. He sees four, um, four empires, four beasts. Remember this? Uh, the first ones are Babylon and, and, and Persia and Greece. You know They've already historically gone by. And then he says there'll be this horrible fourth beast, which is made up of the other three. In other words, its territory will be covering the same basic areas. It's not Europe. It's the Middle East. And then he says this, this, and he describes the Antichrist's kingdom at the end of time. The fourth one is, is not happened yet. It may be beginning, but it's, it hasn't happened yet. And then he says this concerning when the Antichrist's kingdom is, 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 is has doing its horror. This happens in heaven. And you're, you're at 7 and look at verse 9. He says, I, I, look, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool, and his, and his throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. The river of fire was flowing. What, what, look at that river of fire coming out. Uh, that's, what kind of fire is that? Somebody tell me. And then the answer is not Jesus. Yes. Which it, it is the, yes, it's the glory of God. That's the fire. This isn't, this isn't combustion. This is the glorious fire of God coming, pouring out from from his throne. Its wheels were burning, a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming from before him, and thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were open. That's what you see in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation. Mm -hmm. This courtroom, this scene. This is what he's describing. Now then, then Daniel will say uh, this, and he'll call it the little horn and all. He's talking about the Antichrist and how God will... His throne will decide, we're done. I've had all of this Antichrist and all of this hostility and persecution of my people. It's done. And he will destroy the Antichrist. But then he he talks about the process. Verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions. And behold, the clouds of heaven, with the clouds of heaven, one like what? Say, a son of man. That's exactly the words Jesus just used. A son of man. He quotes it. And it's in, anyway, it's in the Hebrew. It's in the, it's in the Septuagint. The whole nine years. Well, I saw one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days. And was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That all the people's nations and men of every language. Actually, just says every language. Might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Alright, what did he just say? He said, here you see the very throne room of the ancient of days. The cherubim are covering themselves. With two of their wings they cover themselves for they're not worthy to look at him. Two of the wings they cover themselves for they're not worthy to be looked at. And Two of the wings they fly and do his bidding. This is in the holy place of the heaven. And into that place walks someone who looks just like a human being. What's he doing there? Who is this? Who dares to approach the Ancient of Days? And he walks up to him, this man. He walks up and to him is given dominion over all the earth and all the peoples of every language. And it will, his dominion is for. Ever, Jesus says to them that's me do you understand what was just said but by the way just go a little more this is fun he, he Daniel beautiful Daniel says my spirit was distressed in other words I'm, I'm flat on the floor about to throw up here I, I, this is I'm am I'm amazed. I was alarmed, and then then he says, "What's this Antichrist?" and and the and the uh, the Lord will reveal to him that this Antichrist in the last days will come, and he will wear down the saints. His main thing is he will persecute the saints, the believers, and and in this horrible persecution, uh, will allow allow be allowed for a certain period of time, and he says, and then. Then that throne room will take place. The decision will be made by the Father. Um, see that verse 25? He'll speak out against the Most High. Uh, who's the Most High? I think it's, it's, that, it's that Son of Man. And wear down the saints of the Highest One, his people. And he will intend to make alterations in, in three and a half years. Sounds familiar. The court will sit. And then it says something in verse 27 that's really remarkable. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to, and don't you think it's going to say the Son of Man? Who does it say? To the people of the saints of the highest one. To his people, he their Lord, and they will administrate his government and his ministry. He will do it through him. Does that sound familiar? He says to the one who has ten, uh, 10 talents, he says, well done, you administrate 10 cities. Does this make sense now? Yes. He's not just coming up with metaphors. He's not tossing stuff out. He means exactly what he says. To the one with, who has four, he says, you, you are over four cities. He says to, the, to his own disciples, he said, I know you've lost everything. You've lost families and houses and everything else. But he said, you're going to sit with me on thrones and rule Israel. There is ahead of us, brothers and sisters. You are not done. The next stage isn't a cloud. The next stage is, is us serving for a thousand years with him on a planet that still has mortal people. I believe the greatest harvest of souls is ahead of us, not behind us. Yeah, this age is coming to an end. And then comes the kingdom of God. Where Jesus will rule through his people, a planet, and there will be people being born, read it it again, and dying. And people will be deciding for Jesus Christ during that period of time. That's what he's referring to. That's who the saints of the most high. It's you. How many is a saint of the most high? Yes, you are. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. Look at chapter 12. I want you to see the first two. This is now, this is associated, when you put this piece, you've got to have this piece in there to understand what Jesus just was saying. When you put this piece in, it all just fits. He says, now at that time, and he's just talked about the Antichrist and the whole nine years, Michael, the great prince, Michael, the archangel, who, gar- who stands guards over the sons of your people, he uniquely is over Israel and the people of God, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. Do you hear Jesus' language even when he talks about the last days? He used the same phrase. Until that time. And, that you, that, and at that time, your people, everyone who's found written in the book. What book? Book of life. Yeah. Will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These To everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. The resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous. There it is. Jesus didn't invent any of that. He's doing nothing more than explaining biblical prophecy. All right. Before this, Son of Man sets up his kingdom on earth. Daniel said there'll be a terrible persecution against the saints of the highest one. But God will only tolerate that persecution for a limited period of time, after which the Son of Man's people will rule over the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the earth. There will be also a resurrection of the dead. Many who, of those who will sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These, everyone whose name is written in the book, To Everlasting Life but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. With this prophetic background in mind, we can only imagine the shock on the faces of these religious leaders when Jesus told them that he was the Son of Man, to whom the Ancient of Days would give authority to execute judgment. And he would make the same claim during his trial before Caiaphas. Do you remember that? Caiaphas, you know, is frustrated. They can't get anybody to testify properly against him. Nobody's stories match. He's in frustration. He looks right at Jesus. He says, tell us, tell us if you be the son of God, the Messiah. Remember Jesus' reply? He said, and you will see the son of man coming on the clouds with great glory. Quotes this. Caiaphas grabs the the hem of his robe and just rips it from top to bottom. It's blasphemy. We need here no more. Convicted. This is the issue. Who is he? Verse 28 and 29. Daniel said that both the righteous and the unrighteous would be resurrected. Notice that? Jesus says it. Paul says it. Everybody says it. John says it. Those whose names were in the book would be given everlasting life. But others would receive everlasting disgrace. That means shame and contempt. It means they become repulsive to others. This is the moment to which Jesus was referring when he said, Do not marvel at this, that an hour is coming in which all those who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And they will come forth, the ones having done good things, into a resurrection of life. The ones having done, he literally says, worthless things, foul loss. We have, we, when food goes bad, we call it foul. Yeah, it's foul, it's worthless. Done worthless things into a resurrection of judgment. Words of warning. We are listening in on a high-level conversation between people who really know the Bible. This, these religious leaders have accused Jesus of being arrogant and unsubmitted toward God of literally thinking he was God's equal. The answer Jesus gave them reveals a great deal about the relationship between the Father and the Son. Basically, he told them, I am God. I, pardon me, I am equal to the Father in nature. My spirit is divine and eternal, but I am not arrogant toward him. I am just the opposite. I am fully submitted to his leadership and always do exactly what he tells me to do. But because the Father loves me, he has chosen to exalt me. He will carry out his future plans for creation through me. For he has given me to be the Son of Man. You and I might miss the significance of what he told those leaders, but they didn't. They knew exactly what he meant. They too had, been, had meticulously studied the book of Daniel and must have been absolutely astounded by his claim to be that person. When viewed from the perspective of Daniel's prophecy, everything he told them makes total sense. This passage in John is not a loose collection of Jesus' sayings. His statements are consistent and logical. To those who understood, to those who understand. His words warn us of a day when all humanity will stand before him as their judge. It will be his voice that will call us out of our graves. It will be his throne before, whom, before which we will stand to have our lives evaluated. He will separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And to him we will bow in honor, just as we will honor the Father himself. Jesus' words, if taken seriously, were an ominous warning to these religious leaders. They needed to think twice about what they were planning. They were gathering charges against him so they could convict him of blasphemy and then execute him. They needed to think through the long-term implications of that. At the moment, they were judging him. But a day would come when he would judge them. What about us? What about us? What does this mean for those of us who have already surrendered to Jesus as Lord and placed our faith in his cross? How many say that's me? I have already surrendered my life to him as my Lord, and I have placed my faith in his cross. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus just say to us? We have passed from death to life. Our judgment is already complete in that sense. There is not a discussion. If I remain in faith with him, I simply, that's a done deal. It's a wonderful thing. Here are two ways in which I personally respond. First, I, I, and I, I say this personally because I think every one of us has to deal with this our own ways. This is my heart. This is what I feel and I just felt best just saying that. Urgency. The picture Jesus gives us of judgment leaves me with a sense of urgency. The fact that all humans will someday stand before him stirs my heart with concern for those who don't know him. I can't y- uh, know him yet. I can't be complacent. I need to do what I can to help others find him. I can't reach everyone, but I can reach some. And because I believe that Jesus what Jesus says, it has and will change decisions I make about how I use my life. God's love won't let me do nothing. Say that. God's love won't let me do nothing. You know, you look at the situation and you look, at the, you look at the size of the task and it can become overwhelming. It can break your heart and you go, Lord, I don't even know where to start. For heaven's sakes, I don't know where to start. Uh, one, one, one example, and I, I heard her say this uh, years ago when I was in pestering in San Diego. Actually, I actually met this woman uh, at, a, at a meeting. Boy, by the way, when she took an offering, you just, basically you got your wallet out and emptied it. Uh <laughs> I mean, she's one of, the, one of the great ones. I don't mean as a fundraiser. I mean, she, she's, uh, anyway, Lillian Dixon was her name. She had gone to Taiwan um, before World War II with her husband as Presbyterian missionaries. And uh, when World War II took place, her husband was killed. I don't remember the circumstances of that, but her husband was killed. And, and the Presbyterian church sent some elders over to bring her home. You know, there's our missionary. We need to bring her home. And when they got there, she wouldn't go. And they, and they, began to, they had a, a, a discussion about her leaving. And she said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm saying, Lillian, you have to come home. Your husband's dead. I mean, c- come on, Lillian, come home. And in some course of it, she's talking about her heart for China. And one of the, one of the elders, just in, in frustration, said, Lillian, you can no more win China than you can bail out the ocean. And she looked at him and she said this. She said, Yes, but because I'm a Christian, I have to take out my bucketful. Mm-hmm. That so put things in perspective for me, it just cleaned up the mess. Mm-hmm. Got it. My bucketful. I can't bail the ocean, but I do because I love him, because I believe this stuff. I have to take out my bucket full. And every one of us is different, isn't it? My assignment, your assignment, all of us have different assignments. May I point out something? I just Some of us are gleaners. We're one at a timers. Some of us uh, will go into care centers and, and, and the neighbor across the street and we're, we're picking that grain of wheat that wouldn't be gotten by anything else. We're gleaners. It's as important to God every Look at you say you say well. But what about the big numbers? Every person is of vital importance to the Lord. Think of yourself as a parent. What if somebody says, "Well, you've got five kids. What you don't mind if I kill one?" Oh yeah, I do. Uh huh. You know. Or, or sometimes people will say, "Well, you know, one child died, but you got more." No parents are going. Oh, you just so don't understand. <laughs> just don't talk anymore. Please stop. Because it's just disgusting. No, yes, I have four and I love those. And I just lost not a number, I lost somebody. That's how the father feels. So when you're going into a care center, you're going to a hospital, you're going across the street to a little lady who's just stuck in that house all by herself, you're gleaning your Ruth, getting the corners of the field, you're getting the grain that was missed, and he loves every one of them. Each of us has an assignment, our assignment. That's all we have to do, our bucketful. That's all we have to take. But we do need to take our bucketful. Don't think there's people in line to do your job. There are things only you can do. There are relationships and, 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 and things only you can do. Either we do it or we don't. And I'll leave the repercussions of that. That's not my but we do it or don't. When I picked up uh, there with the Myanmar team as they came home. Uh Dr. Dr. Thompson uh made the comment. He said uh he said it was amazing. He said it was just amazing and he said uh he said we heard this uh, on a repeated. He said they came to us and they said thank you so much for coming. N- We've never heard this story before. This is the first time. And, and, and he, said, he said, you would think in, in, in this day and age that everyone had heard. He said, they haven't. They'd never heard the gospel before. Look, that gives me a sense of urgency. Why, why do you put people on a plane and fly them? They were virtually on the, on the other side of the planet. I mean, I think, I don't know if it was 11 or 12 hour time difference. I don't know which it is. But I mean, they were on the other side of the planet. And not only did they go to this, this country that, you know, has been under a, a military junta for, for 50 years. You know, that Aung San Suu Kyi has just become the, the, well, we're not sure what she's become, but she's the leader. Yeah, they won't let her be president because she's, anyway. Um, but she's the leader. They love her, by the way. I said, Mary, how do they react to her? They said, they, they love her. They love her. So they have a new, whole new kind of government. And I think they're open right now to, to, to letting go of, of of old religious things and, uh, and of accepting Christ. They said, thank you for coming. No one's ever told us this story before. We can't, we can't do everything. We can take out our bucket. We can take out our bucket. Finally, accountability. Second, I, I realized that even though I have already passed from death to life, my obedience and service will be evaluated by my shepherd. Now, now this is another side of this truth you do have to look at. Paul Paul says that, and I believe him too. Listen, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And he's talking to the Corinthian church when he says that. He seems to be describing this process of evaluating believers when he writes, now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, notice he he went from the most expensive to less expensive, but all of those are very valuable, gold, silver, precious stones. Now he moves to stuff that burns up. Uh, And he starts with wood, and then he goes to hay, and then straws, the least, uh, you know, just the least of that. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it will be revealed with what? Fire. What kind of fire? The glory of God. Yeah. In other words, as you step into eternity, what goes with you? What goes with you? What are you doing in this life that goes into the next life? I've actually buried people in their Seahawks jerseys. May I say, that won't go. <laughs> as much as we like the Seahawks. Now, let's put it in perspective. It's religious, inter- I mean, it's, it's athletic entertainment. Now, if any man builds on the foundations with gold hills, if you build on, on things like gold, silver, and precious stones, see that stuff, when fire is exposed to it, it doesn't burn, does it? It gets actually refined. But you put wood, hay, and straw in fire, and it's gone. For the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man, that's you and me. Their work has been built on it remains. He will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up. He will suffer loss. Notice this. But he himself will be saved yet as through the fire. How? I'm going to have my life Ultimately evaluated by what carries into the next. What do I take with me? Tell me what is basically going from this life into the next. Somebody say people. It's people. It's the influence that you and I have had of, of, of loving, healing, and drawing people to our Savior. However we do that, that's what will be a, a, a effect in the next life. I think that means... It would be possible for me to go to heaven with almost nothing of eternal value left behind. That's not comforting to me. It makes me sad. It's not so much that I want a reward in some tangible sense. I mean, I don't want a crown. I don't think I'll look good in a crown. Just no crowns. I just want to know that I I pleased him. And that I influenced as many people toward heaven as he wanted me to. As a believer... I've been given grace, but in some way, I'm aware that I'm still accountable. That's what Jesus and Paul say, and I believe them. Who do you believe? Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.